Three chuckleheads, two chuckleheads teams that lost to a double digit seed this weekend, and one amazing podcast. Welcome back to Triple Threat. Had an amazing round of 64 and 32. Keith and Harris, how are we feeling? I saw that coming. I saw it coming from a million miles away as soon as you said, oh, I have the intro this week. But yeah, it was a tough weekend for both me and Harris. Harris, how are you coping? It was a very tough weekend for me. Ty, when you said that, I just wanted to wipe that smirk <laughs> off your face, I'll be honest, because seeing my volunteers just get destroyed by Oregon State and seeing Keith Longhorns get beat Don't by Abilene Christian. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was a very tough weekend, but you know, Ty, at least we had something to watch. No, that's tournament. completely fair. Yeah, Kentucky was <laughs> awful. Nine and 15 this season. I can't even watch the NIT. Oh my gosh, I forgot you guys didn't even make the NIT. You wouldn't be able to lose to Robert Morris this year, huh? Oh. Well, actually, I want to ask, how are y'all's brackets doing so far? I have my Final Four and most of my Elite Eight, so I, I can't complain. My Final Four, by the way, is Illinois, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Alabama. I have six of my Elite Eight teams left, Ooh. all of my Final Four. I'm looking pretty good, and Sam Stern, I'm going to make a massive comeback on you. Sam Stern is on the verge of a guest appearance from Triple Threat if he wins Ooh. your bracket pool, Keith. Ooh. Something to look forward to. <laughs> My bracket is doing really hot right now as it has ESPN gave me the fire emoji on my bracket. Wow. So I created a formula. Which oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not going to ex explain the full formula, but it's at the top 0.6% of all brackets in the United States. I was 7 for 7 in a video I made today where I predicted 7 games. They went all correctly on TikTok. At Harris Hall and Hicks, if you guys want to follow me on TikTok. Yeah, I was about lot. to say, you better plug <laughs> that while you're at Here's it. the thing. I know you added <laughs> spreads to those. Did all the spreads cover? The spreads, okay. So the spreads are not all cover, I'll say. I predicted the mm. LSU-Michigan spread mm. correctly, exactly. I didn't mean to cover all the spreads. I meant to put the exact point differential. All right, so now that we're completely done with the first two rounds of the tournament, we have a Sweet 16. I think we just want to go through and recap some surprises, some disappointments, some players that really caught yeah. our eye, and just some big takeaways. And I mean, this can be pretty open-ended, but I think we just want to talk about the tournament and how glorious it's been so far. Yeah, well, I mean, let's start off with a team that, first of all, was ranked last in their in-conference pool. A team that shot lights out in the round of 64 and then overcame a very, 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 very underwhelming spread that they uh, received in the round of, of 32. Very, very. Oregon State. Harris, what caught your eye from Oregon State? Because I know you watched their full game in the round <laughs> oh, of 32. Oh my gosh, I watched the full game. So let me tell you guys what I did after the game. I went in, because Keith saw me. I was mad. On a uh, scale of... Uh, that doesn't even describe it. And it wasn't even mad. It was just <laughs> disappointed. pure and utter lack of will to live at that point. <laughs> he, he just sat there with his head in his hands and just Ugh, with absolute sorrow day. on his face. Yeah, I just said and it. I felt bad for you. With really my did. guy with my guy Walker, shout out Walker Smith, uh, the big Tennessean himself, we went in and we sat, we just sat in his room in silence and just looked down. He's a Tennessee fan if you didn't know. It, it was a very... It was a very sad day for me. I later on redeemed myself. But guys, Eli, we got Eli Cross in the building. You Come in here, Eli. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so Eli barged in when we were recording our podcast. Eli, anything you have to say to Triple Threat? Um, 
These are three great guys. Uh, they know what they're talking about, and I don't, so I'll leave you guys to it. Hey, and everybody wish a very happy birthday. Oh, yeah, it is my birthday. Gosh, it is my birthday. I got a FaceTime call from Ty, so I thought I was able. Well, guys, that was our good friend Eli Gross there. As he Shouts. Barge in. Yes, shout out Eli. But you know, Ty, what caught my eye about Oregon State? They've hmm. been shooting 43% yep. from three after shooting 34.5% of the regular season. Wow. They are red hot. And trust me, I watched them against Tennessee just three after three after three. And don't get me wrong, us missing John Fulkerson, shout out Omar Payne, hurts big time. Because Roman Silva had the game of his life. I think he had 16 points. And Roman Silva's been improving all throughout this year. Yes. And fun fact, I stood right by his parents at the Oregon State ASU game when I was videoing it for Inferno Intel and putting a package together. Seemed like very nice people. One thing that caught my eye too, guys, Cade Cunningham in the tournament. 27% from the field and 20% from three in the tournament. Ty, we know you got a little romance and... A little crush on Cade Cunningham. So. Little crush. Little crush. It's pretty massive. That's he's <laughs> big, man. He loves him some Cade. Well, about Cade, I don't care. I mean, he's gonna exit this tournament and still be the number one overall pick. Unconsensus, in my opinion. And he doesn't really have anything to prove. He proved it all through the regular season. And granted, his first of all, his team shouldn't have been a four seed. They should have been higher seeded, but irrelevant yeah. point. Uh, they, they still played an Oregon State team that they could have easily beaten. And yep. if Cade Cunningham hits three or four more shots, then they probably win that game. But that didn't happen. I wasn't really concerned about that. One thing that did catch my eye, though, was how Colorado absolutely obliterated a very hot Georgetown team. Yeah. And then came out against Florida State, and they did not look like a five seed. I know. At all. And that was also kudos to Florida State playing well, and that really showed how deep they are as a team. But... I didn't think Colorado, because Colorado was really the only quote-unquote weak link for the Pac-12. As of right now, when we're recording this, the Pac-12 is four and one, or at least they have four remaining teams out of five in the Sweet yeah. 16. It's impressive. They have a quarter of the Sweet 16 teams. Yeah, no, they're red hot right now, and speaking of someone who's not, we mentioned Cade Cunningham. That first round matchup against Liberty was tough. I mean, Liberty has a good defense. They play at a very slow pace, and they did a good job of slowing that game down, and I think the teams were keying in heavy on Cade because that's what you do. Their whole offense runs through him, and I know guys like Caleb Boone and Avery Anderson have been improving this year. He's a streaky shooter. Yeah. He is, and we can't ignore that, but he did get to the line very well, shot 15 of 19 from the line, and that gets the job done. But, yeah, just like Ty said, the Pac-12, I mean, they're playing at a breakneck pace right now. Exactly. And they are just running teams right out of the gym. This is going to get to another point I want to talk about. That Oregon-Iowa game on Monday, oh my goodness. Yeah, y'all would have thought I was crazy if I would have told you this before the tournament or predicted this before the tournament. The Pac-12 has just as many teams in the Sweet 16 as the Big 10, Big 12, and ACC combined. Yeah. Who would have thought? But the Pac-12 is killing it. The Big 12, 1-5 in the second round. The Big 10 was bad as well. As they Big got 10 just was one atrocious. Team. Big 10 was atrocious. Bad is an understatement. It's it's an understa- as for sure an understatement. And so the conferences, they're known as the top two dogs the entire season. Not doing too hot. Well, and can we dive a little deeper into why we think these conferences were struggling? Because my theory with the Big 10 is when you have a conference, that all these teams play very similar to mm-hmm. each other. Yeah, they yeah. have a stud big man. Yep. They have one or two good guards, and they have you Solid know some forwards, forwards that yeah. can shoot. But it seemed like they were just getting run off the court yep. all Agreed. weekend long. I mean, 
North Texas was getting fast break points on Purdue. That's really the only way they scored. And you look at some of these other games, Bama just up and down on Maryland. Mm, right. Couldn't, couldn't keep up with them. And UConn first round played at a slower pace, which suited Maryland well. But as soon as these Big Ten teams are being matched up against with a team that teams. gets up and down the court, yep. their big men can't keep up. No. I mean, Wisconsin against Baylor with gas. Yeah. I also think that they were burnt out a little bit. I mean, yeah. the Big Ten is, they have nine of 14 teams made the NCAA it's tournament. A gauntlet. And when you play a very, very tough regular season, you're going to be completely, completely burnt out, especially in March. And that's, in my opinion, why I think Loyola Chicago is doing phenomenally well. They didn't really have any competition, but at the same time, they wanted to prove something in March. Gonzaga, so came, too. Yes. Right. So they came into the tournament saying, okay, we're at an eight seed. That's fine. We'll prove why we should have been a higher seed. And they also had the stamina and the real energy to do it throughout the tournament. Well, why didn't that hold for teams like San Diego State, BYU, Utah State? No, that's completely who, fair. I mean, yeah, Utah State and BYU faced really tough teams in their conference tournament games, or their conference championship games, but San Diego State came out flat. That's, yeah. I just think San Diego State didn't know how to uh, go up against a 2-3 zone. Which a lot of teams don't. No, a lot of teams don't. And it's a make-or-miss game, and San Diego State missed, missed. a lot of their threes. A oh, lot yeah. of their threes. But let me say this about the Big about the Big Ten. Think of their personnel. Iowa's got Luka Garza. Illinois's got Kofi Coburn. Wisconsin's got Nate Reavers. Purdue's got Travion Williams. It's a lot of big men, and it's a lot of traditional fives. Yeah. Who, don't quite fit in the modernized, new era bas- type of basketball game that we see. Yeah. So, Keith, the Big Ten plays this unique style of basketball, as we talked about. Throwback style. Throwback style, essentially. It's put a five around, run a four-out, one-in type-ish offense with mm-hmm. a bunch of shooters surrounding them. That style, you could argue, doesn't fit. No. In the Pac-12, where you have a bunch of these athletic guards, hybrid teams, team. team, yeah. fast-paced teams who go in the NCAA tournament like Colorado with McKinley Wright, USC's got athletic guards. UCLA's got Tiger Campbell and all these athletic guards. Like these type of teams fit well for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Oregon with Ethan Thompson. Yeah. I could ramble on, but Ethan Thompson's great. By yeah, the way. Ethan Thompson. Yeah. Watching him a full game. One of the hand. most underrated players in college basketball this year, last year, just because they didn't have success, and now they do, and everyone's hopping on the bandwagon. You know? Yeah, exactly. And and another bizarre stat of the tournament, guys. Abilene Christian <laughs> took 27 more shots than Texas. What the heck? I was hoping we could kind of get through this discussion without talking about Texas. I know it wasn't going to happen, though. But, yeah, that game, I'll just put it this way. To get to that point, it was just a bloodbath. And I think the refs needed to control that game much earlier. When you have a Texas player, Courtney Ramey, sitting on the bench for the end of the game, pouring blood from his face, that's a sign that the refs let that game get out of hand quickly. And if you're Texas, who struggled a little bit with physicality this year against teams like Texas Tech... That can end your season. I'm going to play the devil's advocate here and oh, say do. that Abilene Christian puts up, or their opponents get 20.4 turnovers per game. They turn the ball over 20.4 times yeah, per game. They do. 347th least out of 357 teams, meaning they're top 10 in turnover percentage in the oh, whole yeah. country. They force so many. So the fact that y'all had 22 turnovers and Abilene Christian took 27 more shots, do you think that had to do with that as well? Yeah, I, th- I think it did because they were very over-aggressive. I think about half those turnovers, there was contact uh, on Texas's guards. Also, though, Texas got killed on the offensive glass. Yeah, They weren't getting 50-50 balls. They weren't really playing their best players at times. And, you know, I've been critical of Greg Brown. But in that situation, why don't you put your 6'9", 225-pound freak of an athlete mm-hmm. in the game? Because he's going to be matched up against some 6'5 guy, and I get it. He's probably going to charge a couple times, and he's probably going to make some bad plays. 
but the other team literally can't score. And that wasn't the problem. Texas's defense was splendid. It was fantastic, yeah. but you just got to put points on the board. And their guards didn't get the job done, which is what everyone was trusting Texas for in March. The argument for Greg Brown is that he puts up 0.4 assists and 2.3 turnovers per game. Oh, it's bad. And yeah. I've said that this year, but... And Abilene Christian forces a lot of turnovers. Yeah, but when you need just a physical guy inside, a freak athlete, you tend to rely on a guy like that. So, it, it, it was a tough game. And also, Texas's turnover differential this year should have been a little bit of a concern going into that game. And I think Abilene Christian should have been picked a little more than they were. Yeah, a lot of the reason I think why the Big 12 struggled is they got burnt out too. Because yes. there's 10 teams, you're playing mm-hmm. those teams constantly. And their metrics were skeptical of the Big 12. And this kind of they kind of exposed the conference a little bit, in my opinion. Texas's point differential was a little lower. Kansas's was a little lower. Oklahoma State's was, like I think, just plus four, etc. There were a lot of low point differentials with the exception of Baylor, in my opinion. But I want to have I want to hear what you guys have to say on this. Oh, I mean, I completely agree. I think the burnout factor is a very underrated factor we haven't talked about. And... The reason that I bring that up is because we have one Big 12 team remaining and one Big 10 team remaining, Michigan and Baylor. Yeah. And my Michigan point would be they don't really go under that big man style. Yeah, they have Hunter Dickinson, but most of their scoring comes from their forwards and their guards. They don't right. really rely on that center. Now, granted, Hunter Dickinson is arguably their best player, but yeah. I don't think they rely for him on the scoring, whereas Iowa relies on Luka Garza. I think Illinois, so much. I think Illinois at yeah. sometimes relies on Kofi Coburn when Iowa's off, and that's what they did against Illa, or excuse me, that's what they did against Loyola Chicago. We found out how that went. Whereas, whereas Michigan, they had plays like for example when they played uh, LSU, Chandy Brown, a transfer from Purdue, who they didn't even think they were going to land. Wake or, Forest. Yeah, Wake Forest. Right. Yeah, a transfer from Wake Forest who they didn't even think they were going to land. Dude had 24 points. Yeah. Phenomenal game. He's been an X Factor. Oh my gosh, he's been a huge X Factor. And if they want to beat Florida State on Friday, or excuse me, on Saturday, he's going to have to step up. Because Isaiah Livers, as we know, is out the whole tournament. And I picked LSU over Michigan, but Michigan obviously proved me wrong. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch the full game because I was in JMC 201 class. From what I saw, it looked like Brandon Johns was playing pretty well. He was. was He he? was playing phenomenally, and no one really thought he was going to play that well either. Yeah. And... Going back to one team you mentioned, can we talk about Loyola Chicago? Mm. Porter Mosier, he is one of the best coaches of the past five years, maybe even this decade. I, I agree. Or the past ten years, just based off what he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take an 11 seed to the Final Four, and now you take an 8 seed over the second most popular national championship pick, and it wasn't even close. I mean, they led that game start to finish, double digits most of the time, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch the game. I was in church that morning, but from what I did see... Cam Crutwick is the truth. Oh my God! Don't forget, Phenomenal. he can grad transfer next year, if he wants to, or he can stay another year at Loyola. But he has to go down as maybe a top hundred player in the history of the sport right now. Yeah, and he was. I'm moving. willing to put him in that company. Wow, he was on the Final Four team in yes. 2018. And who knows how far they're going to go this year? I mean, we'll talk about it later in our Sweet 16 bracket, our redemption bracket, but. <laughs> Yes. He is fantastic. I mean, their guards are just so consistent. Lucas Williamson, Braden Norris. That team is so well coached. Their system is great. Porter Mosier has just impressed me so much. And who doesn't love some sister Jean? Do I smell Porter Mosier, Indiana, potentially, Bingo. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. You think Porter Mosier should leave? for well, potentially a blue blood school in and Indiana. And we still haven't even talked about the coach openings on the show, and I'm sure we'll get to that later for sure. in the season yeah. once we get past the tournament a little right. bit. But, yeah, I mean, that 
makes sense. It really does. If I'm Indiana, I don't have a reason to not offer him. Yeah. Especially if they get... First of all, I think right now, let's say they lose next round, I still think you should offer him. But he gets to another Elite Eight or a Final Four. It's a no-brainer. So I'm going to play a little more devil's advocate here again. You love doing it. Yeah, you (laughs) You love doing it. I've been playing devil's advocate here, guys. But Porter Moser's been the coach of Loyola Chicago. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe since 2011. Is that correct? I will fact check. Okay. So he's been there for nine, ten years. Ten years. He's made the tournament twice. Yes. And those two times, I'm not going to undersell it, he's done fantastic at the Mm. tournament. Mm. However, you could call those two years as outliers. Are we getting Uh, a little bit of a shock of smart type resume with Porter Moser? Okay, he has been at Loyola of Chicago since 2012. 2012. Okay, and that was his one first, year off. his first year, seven and twenty-three. Yeah, had losing seasons every year, year till 2015, 24 and 13, another losing season, an 18 and 14 season, and then 2018 it hits. They make the final four. The two years since 20 and 14, 21 and 11, haven't made the tourney. Last year they probably weren't going to because I forget if we had Arch Madness done at that point. Uh, no. Okay, so he could know. have made it last year, but yeah, this year. I mean, he's done it twice now, and he could lose in the Sweet 16 this year, and it'd still be an utter success. Yeah. You beat Illinois. That's that and it was wasn't even thing. close. Because I think you can say 2018 was an outlier, sure, because in reality, they really didn't beat that many great teams, but they just beat the ACC champ, Georgia Tech, yep. and then they beat Illinois. And if they beat Oregon State, which I'm in my, oh, spoiler alert, but yeah. I'm assuming that they're going to, that's they the, should. A, you know, give or take, the hottest team in the country right now. Unless Oregon State shoots like 56% from three and then, again. And then they have a chance they to play. they could still win. Right. And then they have a chance yeah. to play either Houston or Syracuse. Um, let's just, for devil's advocate reasoning, we'll assume it's Houston. <laughs> okay. If they beat a two-seeded Houston and go to the final four again, then potentially play Baylor to their strength. Who knows? I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship, but yeah, two final four appearances for any coach, irregardless, if you make the tournament two out of ten years. Phenomenal. Right. And also one thing, I sort of jump ship on this topic a little bit too much, but the Buddy <laughs> Beheim topic, yeah. 28 points per game on 56% three-point shooting. Holy moly, like this came out of nowhere. He's been the tournament MVP so far, right? Oh, I'd say so. He's been jacking and jacking yep. and jacking. Smart. I mean, it seems like every time down the court, there's fine, buddy, let him shoot. And he had a poor first half. He only scored three mm-hmm. points in the first half against West Virginia. His teammates picked it up. But that second half, West Virginia was making a comeback. And they were. While I think Miles McBride was West Virginia's best player at times and also their worst because he turned the ball over so much. West Virginia yeah. turned the ball over so much. They couldn't get to Culver. They were just completely mishandling that zone. But they mounted a comeback, especially at the end, and Buddy Beheim, clutch. Every time they needed him to answer, he did. He did. And really, that's what you need in the tournament. More than just the stats, it's when the points came that impressed me. Yeah. yeah. And also one thing, too, uh, Greg McDermott, 0-8 in the round of 32 for his career. Hmm. This will transition us to the next topic, which is predicting the bracket, which we will do as our second chance bracket. Lucky for this system, guys, it gives us a second chance. Because let's face it, we all need it. All of our brackets are busted. Everyone in the world is busted. Mine's not busted. I still got a shot well, in my pool. No, nobody in the world has a perfect bracket, right? Mine ain't perfect, but it's looking pretty nice. <laughs> well, when, hey, my when pool, Baylor makes I the will final say four. this: I have USC versus Oregon. Okay, so did I. 
I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying. I had Oregon in there, pick Kansas over USC. Not feeling too hot about that one. So, you're right, Harris. Maybe my bracket is broken. Is y'all's bracket in the top 0.6% of the United States? Um, um, I filled out 12 Because my, brackets, my so. formula is, which well, I'm going to elaborate the top. on later. How many points do you have in that bracket? Uh, 430. Nope. How I, much you have? My top point one is my my OG bracket, like my personal bracket, has two hundred ninety points. Oh, get one up, Ty. <laughs> yeah, I'm never that good at March Madness. Oh man, me. Well, Harris, we're also not narcissists who are going to go on air and say, "Oh, I'm so smart. My metric also, is so I'm not going to create a stat for March Madness. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. pick the team that I think is going to win, and that's it." Maybe I'm just maybe I'm not a chucklehead, and you guys are the only chuckleheads. That is the most ignorant statement you've said on this entire show. Are you inhuman? Like, I'm starting to think you're a robot. That's why you keep thinking <laughs> of really Jesus. Because he is Jesus. Oh, I was, whoa there. I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, say he's a robot, uh, which I think is very far so from So you're Jesus. calling me a robot and you're calling me Jesus. Uh, and in the no, middle, I think, I said, I think in the middle you get hair sex. <laughs> like, like the, that movie, I, Robot, when, like, the robot gets possessed and takes over the world. Um, oh, that's scary. I've that's never Harris. Heard of this Harris movie. is going to take over the world and then force us all into a dystopian society <laughs> where we're slaving away computers, pumping out stats, and then he like scolds us for not being as smart as he is when it comes to stats and not being in the 0.6% of ESPN brackets. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, guys. That's what it sounds like. So I've never heard of this iRobot thing. This is kind of scary. Yeah, you also live under a rock and have never Fact. seen, like, 99.9% of movies. I mean, <laughs> I don't see a lot, but... Harris, have you oh, seen The Dark Knight? I've seen The Dark Knight. We saw it the other night. He was filling out his bracket while he's watching <laughs> The Dark Knight. What and that's his worst bracket. <laughs> it was my worst bracket. I was filling out my bracket during The Dark Knight. It was, it was, a, it was a crap shoot. It was a crap shoot. Interesting. Yeah. Yes, it was. But... Transitioning from my staff that I was This is a long transition, man. <laughs> this is a very long transition, but we're finally going to get there. We've got Creighton, their first Sweet 16 appearance under Greg McDermott, going up against Gonzaga. I'm guessing we may have the popular opinion here, but Keith or Ty, can Creighton pull off the upset? Yay or nay? No. <laughs> it's, it's, Don't I you mean, mean nay? No, I mean no. <laughs> it's it's kind of laughable. Um, I, I hope Creighton does it because I'm not a huge Gonzaga fan. I don't really like the whole perfect season thing, especially when they play in one of the worst conferences. Coming but, from a Kentucky fan. Well, we played in the SEC, which was a Power 6 conference. They play in a very bad conference. That's true. <laughs> but irrelevant. Um, I think that Gonzaga will completely eat up Creighton. I think even if Creighton plays as well as they did today, which I think they played relatively well today against Ohio. They did. I don't think that they have any shot, so I'm taking the Zags. Harris, I'll go with your yay or nay theme here and say nay just because oh, we... God. Dead horse? Harris's horse? Just because we have a lot of horse <laughs> references on this show. Yeah, and I think we need to keep consistent with that stay on brand here. But yeah, I have Gonzaga. You're I'm really excited... Man. I'm really excited to see Christian Bishop against Drew Timmy. I think that's going to be one of the better matchups of this Sweet 16, just mano y mano. But when you look at Creighton, Marcus Zagorowski makes it all go. And yeah, you have Mitch Ballack, and yeah, Sharif Mitchell plays sometimes. But Gonzaga's guards are just going to be too much. Kispert's a better sharpshooter than Ballack. Give me Gonzaga, and let's not spend too much time on it. Yeah, yeah Gonzaga shoots 64% from two-point range, highest in the country. Creighton doesn't have a single guy over six foot seven in their starting lineup. That's just yep. the, that's a differentiator right there. I'm going Gonzaga. Next game, USC versus Oregon. 
So I'll start out with this one. If USC doesn't play Colorado three times, they're a top four seed originally. And I, yeah. I know I said that in yep. the last podcast, but their resume, their point differential is way better than what it should have been. My stat actually had USC going to the Sweet 16 as well. So I'd say it was right on there. Thank you, stat. But yes, so Ty, let's hear it. Here's my thing. Uh, I think if they had Infali Dante, I might pick Oregon. I, like, I genuinely might pick Oregon because yeah. that's somebody who can guard Evan Mobley and that's somebody who can, they can add depth to. However, I don't know who's going to guard Evan Mobley because I'm assuming that you might put Eugene Omor... 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 Omorui. Omorui. Harris. Oh my gosh, I got it. Omorui. <laughs> you were really impressing me lately with your pronunciations. Omar- you've been spending way too much time around me and it's showing. <laughs> Omorui, Duarte are both six foot Good six. Good job, Todd. Uh, Eric Williams is, I'm pretty sure, six foot six as well. Yep. And then they have two other guards that are under six foot six. I don't know who's going to guard the big guys on USC, especially Isaiah Mobley also, who's six foot nine. So yeah. I'm taking the Mobley brothers and USC in this one. Yeah, the last time these two teams play, USC won by 14 at the Galen Center, and they smashed Oregon on the glass. 15 offensive rebounds at a 47% clip, and they defensive rebounded at a 73% clip, whereas Oregon was 53% defensive rebound, 27% offensive. Neither one of those numbers is very good. USC is too much inside for this team. And as much as I want to pick Oregon because I have them in my bracket, Mm. USC is hot right now. Their guards are playing really well. But they can get out in transition like they did against Iowa. Remember, Evan Mobley, you're talking about, they just played Luka Garza and ran him out of that gym. So if they can get in transition and they can hit threes like they're hitting right now, I would take Oregon, but I just don't know how confident we can be in that. And I think they get smashed on the glass. So I'll go USC there. Evan Mobley isn't any of these unathletic Big Ten big man, though, I I will say. That's what I was going to say in our earlier True, season. but Luka yes. Garza is pretty mobile, and he still couldn't keep up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he did a 36, to be fair. Yeah, he did, but yeah. on the defensive end, it was one of he the worst lacking. games. Yeah. I mean, their pick-and-roll defense was absolutely atrocious. I mean, Chris Duarte would come off the screen, fake to the corner, and just dump it right down whoever was standing below the rim because Iowa was just outmatched clearly out there. Speaking of hot, Oregon's hot. They've won 12 out of their last 14. However, one of those losses came against USC in their last 14 games. I'm going to go with the size thing again and say that Oregon, although has big guards, they don't have a single guy in the front court who's over 6'6". Maybe Eric Williams is going to guard Evan Mobley. (laughs) That was sort of a problem in the last game with Kansas, I would say. Well, no, they have McCormick, but I guess Mobley just uses athleticism to win that. I'm not going to go along. I'm not going to keep this up. I'm going to say USC. Yeah, and moving on now, we have Michigan against Florida State, a very interesting matchup here, and both teams were tested earlier in the tournament with Florida State against UNCG and Michigan against LSU. Harris? So... My stat here has been very reliable, as you guys know. Tune your own horn. Yeah, here we go again. I'm going to toot my own horn. It's probably going to take about 10 minutes. Though. It has the line the line right now at Michigan by 3.7 points. I'm going to take Michigan, and I think no. Michigan wins this game. Florida State does have the size to contend Hunter Dickinson, yep. but as you said, 
Dickinson isn't their primary sto- no. score, right? They have no. a lot of guards. Brand- like Guys like Brandon Johns or Chande Brown can go off at I wouldn't even mention Brandon Johns. And yeah, I, he just went off last time. Frank Wagner, Mike, Mike Smith, Eli Brooks. Exactly. Yeah. It's a very balanced team with a good coach. So I'm taking Michigan. I really like what Michigan has, and if they had Isaiah Livers, I would slam Michigan. But And granted, can I just say this? Having Isaiah Livers' presence at the NCAA tournament is fueling Michigan because John Howard said this in a press conference that the fact that they have Isaiah Livers there, players listen to him because he knows what he's doing. He's veteran leadership on that team. So having him there is a huge help. It's honestly kind of like a player coach, an assistant coach. Uh-huh. Both teams are very similar, by the way. Florida State is one of the deepest teams in the country, and so is Michigan. I think they both have arguably seven or eight guys that you can say go score bas- go score the basketball, and they'll go score it. But I think the X factor here is that Florida State's way too athletic for Michigan. I think Michigan's a very Big Ten-based team. They're not really athletic. They shoot the ball relatively well. They're big. They're very fundamentally sound. Florida State's just going to be too athletic for them. I think Florida State's going to dominate in that region. I think they're going to draw very many fouls. And one thing that's been a reoccurring theme is Hunter Dickinson's getting in foul trouble. You get him in foul trouble, I think the game's over, no doubt. So I'm going to take Florida State. Yeah, there's a couple things I look to here. Michigan has actually struggled a little bit with turnovers this tournament. They committed 14 against Texas Southern, which I don't think any of us think they should be doing that. And they, they only committed Definitely 12 not. against LSU, but LSU is not a defense that not is very good. Come on, yeah, Keith, you're exactly. the tiebreaker here. Make us look good. Make us look good. Yeah, also, Choose the right one. Also, Florida State forces a turnover on almost 20% of... Yes, opponents' possessions, and if you want to look at what they did to Colorado, they forced 19 turnovers against Colorado, and that's yeah. a fundamentally sound basketball team that takes care of the ball. Also, when we're talking about Hunter Dickinson, we would probably descri- describe him as a brick wall, right? Agreed. Well, well, Evan Batty from Colorado is also a brick wall, mm-hmm. and Balsa Copravica took his lunch money yeah. all game long. He couldn't guard Copravica, which he didn't have a ton of points, took but... His lunch money. <laughs> well, Batty didn't do yeah. anything inside either. Kovacica was blocking shots, doing just about everything out on that court. Yeah. And I think his length could be a big problem for Hunter Dickinson. And for that reason, you know, I do like this Michigan team, but Florida State is rounding into form very nicely. Like, yeah. I didn't see coming coming into this tournament, and now they look like a real team to beat. So give me Florida State. Sorry, Harris, for letting you down there. But maybe we'll agree on UCLA against Alabama Ty, what do you have? I think the Pac-12 stride, or excuse me, the Pac-12 stride is going to end short. Uh, we saw what Alabama did to Maryland. They played phenomenal basketball, arguably yes. their best game of the season. Uh, I think anyone could argue that they shot 16 of 33 from three, which yes. is absurd. 49, 48 percent. I think Alabama's too strong, too fast, and defensively, they're fine. So even if they don't hit shots, I don't think UCLA is good enough offensively to overcome that. So I'm going to take Alabama. Yeah, there's one stat I want to look to here. Opponents in the tournament so far, and UCLA has played Michigan State. They've played against BYU, Abilene Christian. Opponents are shooting 24% from three against them. Yeah. That's an outlier. Mm-hmm. Now, they may be a good three-point defense right now. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're giving up a bunch of easy looks right. from long range, but that's going to change, especially mm-hmm. when you're facing a team like Alabama who puts up so many shots that – it's hard for them to really have an outlier game from deep because they attempt so many shots from there. So I think that that's going to come to an end, and Alabama is going to kind of roll through them, and I think they're a little too athletic up front for the Bruins. And the thing about Bama is, we mentioned this last episode, even if they don't shoot the three well, they can still win because their defense is that 
good, probably yeah. top yeah. two in the country. As you, you uh, sort of stole my thunder because I had that pulled up, and I was going <laughs> to say UCLA has gotten a little lucky because their opponents have been struggling from three. And that's why I wanted to go for you. Harris. Exactly. I wanted to steal your thunder there. <laughs> even though they, even though they gave up a thirty-five percent three point three-point percentage in the regular season UCLA yeah. did. so Which means that over the long term, they're not a great three-point defense at all. Exactly. No. So I'm, I'm taking Alabama in this game for sure. Going back to the South region, we have the one-seeded Baylor taking on a very, very interesting Sweet 16 team. Let me just restart that. Jesus. A very interesting Sweet 16 team. I don't think anyone had Villanova in their Sweet 16, potentially Purdue. My staff did. Fair <laughs> enough. You know what, Harris? I'll kick it off with you then. The Bears or the Wildcats, who do you got? Okay, this one's pretty simple. I'm, I'm taking Baylor in this game. They just had two elite of a regular season. The missing the missing piece of Colin Gillespie is really going to hurt in this game because Baylor's backcourt, as we know, is stacked with a capital S with... Not Donovan Mitchell, but Davion Mitchell, and yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. People have gotten that confused. The casuals typically get that confused, but not us, guys. The casuals. <laughs> Jared Butler and Macy Oteague and Adam Flagler, I could go on. It's just going to be too much for Villanova's guards without Gillespie. I think Baylor wins this game, and the old stat has got Baylor winning this game by 12. I would agree with that. I think they win this by double digits. Thank you for your input there, Harris. And I'll also. Davion Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell, actually not two different college players. Elite yeah, defenders who are whose motors never cease. And yeah. they're also pretty good three-point shooters and can get their own shot. They aren't really an overwhelming star on their team, but they are just effective players on really good teams that get the job done. But They're also both shooting guards who wear the number 45. Yeah, True, and they're <laughs> similar size. I mean, they're, yeah. Donovan Mitchell's not that much bigger than Davion, but... I know Villanova, number one in the country, and lowest turnover percentage. But Baylor's top three, I think, in forcing opponents' turnovers. And we saw that against Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin, a team that normally takes care of the ball very, very well, but did not do that against Baylor as they committed 14 turnovers. I think it catches up with Nova, and they have the guys inside in the link to defend Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And after that, I think Baylor's going to hit some shots, get in transition. And I, I see them winning by about 9 to 12 points. And by the way, the only thing I'd say about Donovan Mitchell and Davion Mitchell, very similar players. I think Donovan Mitchell was way more athletic and yeah. much more attacking the rim, whereas True. Davion Mitchell's a much better three-point shooter. He's, He's shooting 46% from three. Absurd. Crazy. Um, but I think Baylor's top three, and by top three I mean Macy Oteague, Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler. I call that an extended backcourt. Usually backcourt's only two guys. They yeah. kind of run an extended backcourt. It's going to be way too much for Villanova. I think Villanova's kind of gotten a little lucky. They play Winthrop, then North Texas. I'm going to take the Bears. Okay, next game we've got my final four. Oh, maybe final four. I'm not going to give it up. <laughs> oh, God. You already um, gave it up. Uh, no, no, no. Harris, I didn't give it up. You can't keep a secret. You <laughs> really can't. You guys can't trust me with anything. <laughs> I was actually talking about Oral Roberts, my final four bound. No, I'm kidding. I, I just can't get out of this one. Arkansas, my three seed, going up against 15 seed Oral Roberts. Insert funny jokes. Ha, ha, ha. But we're not going to because Boys Radio keeps it family friendly. Anyway. And those jokes are just kind of gross and take away from a great team. Exactly. You know there was a guy that played in the 90s named Oral Roberts? Yeah, and he, he kept coming up when you were searching up Oral Roberts' <laughs> basketball reference. Exactly, he kept coming up. I couldn't get away from Mr. Oral Roberts there. But anyway, we've got number three seed Arkansas, number 15 seed Oral Roberts. How did it take 30 minutes or however far we are into this podcast to mention Oral Roberts? Guys, we have a 15 seed in the Sweet 16 
for the first time since 2013 with Florida Gulf Coast. Ever. And the second time ever, just like Ty said, I think Max Asmus is CJ McCollum 2.0. Just Lehigh didn't make it to a Sweet 16 in 2012. So, incredible. Max Asmus is better than... I'm not going to say that, but... Max Asmus, excuse me. It's Asmus. It's spelled A-B-M-A-S. Yeah, it's Asmus. It is? Yeah, you know that if you watch games, Harris. <laughs> Gosh darn it, Keith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, Oral Roberts has been on a tear. Kevin O'Banner, too. I would be completely disrespectful if I didn't mention his name. This team is really good. They really are. They have two amazing scores. They shoot free throws really well, take care of the ball, force some turnovers, too. Arkansas's backcourt is very experienced at this point. They've been tested throughout the SEC, and now so far in this tournament, barely squeaking it out against Texas Tech. I think their length is going to be a little too much for O'Banner on the interior because Oral Roberts has faced some smaller teams in terms of Ohio State and Florida, and Arkansas is just going from driving you know, a Honda Civic to driving a Ferrari. I mean, it is a lot of horsepower, and it's going to be a little too much for the Golden Eagles, and as much as I would love to see a 15 seed advance to the Elite Eight for the first time ever, got to go with the Razorbacks here, and we'll go to Ty because I'm pretty sure I know what Harris is going to pick on this game. Well... First of all, Max Osmus and Kevin Ob- excuse me, Obnar, if you tell me that two players... Womp, womp, womp. It's all good stuff. If you tell me that two players on the same team are averaging 25 points per game and 19 points per game, I would think you're lying. I think it's the highest scoring duo. In and then, one. not only that, they shoot 43% from three and 47% from three. Yeah. And they both shoot over 87% from the free throw line. And they both average under two and a half turnovers per game. Efficiency, ladies and gentlemen. Ty, does that mean you're taking Oral Roberts here? No, Arkansas is bigger, faster, stronger. <laughs> They're better on every facet of the floor. I even think they have the better players. In I think Moses Moody is much better, and Justin Smith, along with J.D. Note, Jalen Tate. List goes on. I'm taking Arkansas, but Oral Roberts, you know, hell of a quote-unquote season for me. Really. Well, and I'm looking forward to Justin Smith against Kevin O'Banner. Yeah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> Good pronunciation. So, Keith, you're saying that the... the Oh, gosh. Stutter there. You can still fool yourself. Start talking about your stutter, and then you don't remember what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh darn it. Okay, well, that's a minor setback, guys. You're saying that Arkansas is not driving the must bus. They're driving a Ferrari. Yes, and also, I have to admit, I told you this the other day, Harris, Eric Musselman is not as awful of a coach. Oh, there He's a good coach. He's a good coach. I do want to see what he can do once... Three transfers and a five-star freshman aren't his best players, and I want to see him develop some guys, but he can get it done with transfers. He's shown that in Nevada and now shown it here. So are you saying that Harris was right? No. I wouldn't say that you were right. I'll never say I would Harris say right. that I'm willing to admit I'm wrong. Ooh, that has nothing to do with your takes. I'm but just I talking about that. my takes. Okay, okay. Not, not giving me the credit that I nope, deserve. I never will. <laughs> I also okay. want to see him recruit. True. That's fair. That's fair. What? He got moody, though. He got, he got moody, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, y'all are just wrong, and I'm right. Harris, you know he doesn't what? have a top 100 player in the 2021 class. Hey, he's taking two teams to the Sweet 16. That's All right, pretty Harris, solid. who are you Give me your take. We, oh. we need to get going here. <laughs> okay, sorry, guys. I got a little sporadic off topic there, but I am taking <laughs> Arkansas in this one. Oral Roberts wasn't even top three in the summit before the tournament started. Okay, it's maybe a little premature to use the regular season standings argument at this point because Oral Roberts beat a two-seed and then beat an extremely overseeded whatever Florida team. And thank you, Oral Roberts, for beating Florida. As a Tennessee fan that suffers every day, thank you. Thank you, but I'm sorry. It ends now. Woo, pig suey, but... 
next game we have up is Loyola Chicago. They ended the Vols tournament hopes once. Shout Thank out, Sister God. Jean. <laughs> Uh, another team that ended the Vols tournament hopes, Oregon State. So give me some insightful insight. All I need to tell you is Cameron Crotwig's going to dominate the paint against Oregon State. Yep. I have Loyola Chicago moving on to the Elite Eight. Let's not waste too much time. Yeah, Loyola Chicago has a really good three-point defense. I think they're going to slow down Oregon State. They're going to keep the tempo very slow. They're not going to turn the ball over much. And they're just going to slowly suffocate this Oregon State team. And they're going to be shown as a good team, but not... An Elite Eight team. I think this is where the run ends, and Loyal Chicago is built for this. I think Porter Moser is the better coach. Cameron Crutwick, he looks like that person you see when you go to repair your tires and you see that guy in there <laughs> fixing tires. But anyway, regardless. Harris, why are you being disrespectful to the second best player in Missouri Valley Conference history? <laughs> number one, Larry Baird. Number two, Cameron Crutwig. You're being disrespectful right now. <laughs> or sometimes they're fairly good-looking dudes. You know, when you have a flat tire and you go and... Harris, I don't know if I've ever looked at my tire guy and judged them <laughs> off their looks. Hmm, I think he's a seven. Like, I don't know what world you're living in, but I've never done that before. So moving on now, Syracuse against Houston. <laughs> oh Sorry, my gosh. I'm still out of Syracuse no, against okay. Houston. You know, Buddy Beheim's been on a run. Houston had to go on a 13-2 run over the final 433 against Rutgers to escape that 2-10 matchup. Guys, what are we thinking here? Well, here's what I'm thinking. As you guys love Ken Palm. So let's bring up Ken Palm. <laughs> I don't like do stats, but let's bring Woo! up Ken Palm. Houston's fifth overall in Ken Palm. They're seventh on defense and 12, or excuse me, seventh on offense and 12th on defense. Yes. Good? Good. Great. Their net ranking is five. They beat it. They just beat Rutgers by three. And moving on to Syracuse, they're 39th overall, 15th on offense. And 86 on defense. They're 40th in the Weird net. Weird for Syracuse, too. They're 3-7 and seven against quad one. And my key, quote-unquote, stat for Syracuse, they're 29 from 58 from three-point range in the NCAA tournament. Outlier. Phenomenal. Yeah. If they can shoot, now here's my big if, if they can shoot above 40% from three against Houston, give me Syracuse. Quentin Grimes is relatively banged up. Uh, I think he's their best player by far. I, don't, I really don't think it's that close. And I'm going to take Syracuse because I think they're going to shoot over 40%. So, Ty, I picture you usually as an average-looking guy. But when you bring up average? Ken Palm... <laughs> average. <laughs> I think you're fairly average. Understatement. I, I think we're all fairly average here, triple threat. Under average, pretty above average, very above average. As I pointed to Keith, or excuse me, Harris, then Keith. Then so, I yeah, for context, he laid his... Uh, Pinky finger. No, what's this ring? What's this a finger? Pointer finger? Pointer finger. Index oh my finger. gosh. Oh my Index gosh, Harris. Major brain fart Harris, here. You don't know what a pinky is. <laughs> Harris, how did you pass preschool? I don't know. I don't kid. know. <laughs> I have Tennessee's no idea. easy school. That was a terrible brain fart. But I, what I was going to say is he, he pointed money. to me as he said below average. I think he's just a little jealous. But Harris, my point was. I'm jealous here. of five foot eight. We know. can. <laughs> five foot eight of just great sheer personality and fun. <laughs> and stats. And stats. And five minutes of analysis. And five minutes of analysis, but pretty good analysis. I'm, I'm going to keep this short. Uh, Houston, that's it. Okay, Boom. awesome. Dope. <laughs> because I'm going to give a stat now to back you up okay, as we go fist for bump it, right Keith. now. Yes. I'm going to fist bump you with my pinky As finger. we fist bump right now. No, <laughs> actually, we'll pinky promise. We'll pinky yeah. promise. Pinky promise here. That is more white, I like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Syracuse is 340th. And defensive rebounding percentage. Ew. Ew. 
<laughs> wow, you mocked me there. Wow. I'm trying to finish. Michael. <laughs> Let him finish. Houston is second in offensive rebounding percentage. Houston is going to dominate the possessions here. And Houston's turnover differential is also 5.3%. Fantastic. Top 50 in holding on to the ball and forcing turnovers. Houston's going to roll through this one just because they're probably going to have about 20 more possessions than Syracuse and get a bunch more shots up, get to the line more. I like Houston here, and I think this is a lot easier matchup for them than Rutgers. So that's my take there. Houston moves on. So now on to the Elite Eight. We'll go back up to the West region, still in Indianapolis, for those of y'all wondering. I just call it Region 1, but, you know, maybe it's West and not what the tournament calls it. So Whatever. I'm anti-establishment. You're so edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Gonzaga versus... I believe USC, correct? Yes, USC. Correctamendo. Yeah, big matchup here. Probably two top three picks in the upcoming NBA draft. So, guys, who, who do we have here? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a bit sidetracked by how Ty's impersonation was of me when he mocked me. Could you do that again? Ew. <laughs> Harris, again, can we please talk about yeah, basketball? Yeah, we, we, we can talk You about keep getting basketball. so sidetracked. We can talk about basketball. <laughs> Okay, Gonzaga and USC, as you said, with the top two picks. USC feast in the paint with Evan Mobley. That's how their offense runs, right? And Isaiah Mobley and Chavez Goodwin. Yes, yes, And their huge guards and Drew Peterson. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Taj Eddy as well. Yeah. Just to finish it off, cream of the cake. But anyway. Cream of the cake? I think it's cream of the crop. It's cream of the crop. I said cream on the cake. You know when they say ice cream on the cake to finish it off? No. Or icing on the cake? Icing. Icing, not Not cream. Not ice cream. Not cream. You can put whipped cream on your cake? Come on. But people don't use that saying. No, it's... It's either cream of the it crop, should be a maybe that's or a- icing on the cake. Then <laughs> you can start it now, but don't come on triple threat acting like it's a thing. Um, I'm, I'm okay, okay, whatever. I'm off Gonzaga. my game tonight. I'm, I'm picking Gonzaga, just, <laughs> just because Gonzaga actually has the size to put up with Evan Mobley in the paint and all those guys that you mentioned that I'm not going to waste time mentioning. But yes, they, Gonzaga has the size to put up with them. They can shoot the three as well. They're top ten on offense and defensive efficiency. Yes, shocker. According to our old boy. Ken Pomeroy, but yes, I'm taking Gonzaga. I think the guards, the firepower is just going to be too much, and Gonzaga's perfect season continues on to the Final Four. Actually, I don't think Gonzaga does have the size inside to really give Evan Mobley those guys. I'm more meant to say firepower just because of Timmy and Watson and Kispert 6'7". Okay, so you said size. I I did say size. (laughs) Gosh darn it. Drew Timmy, 6'10", 235. And then Anton Watson is... He's about 6'8", right? 6'8", 225, but still, that's not going to keep up with two seven-footers, Chevegs Goodwin, who's like 6'10". That team's huge, but Gonzaga is still going to get the job done. They're an amazing team. Suggs, Ayayi, Andrew Nemhard, who still, I think, is the most underrated player in college basketball. Their guards are way too good. That's a hot take. Wow. And USC's guards still haven't been tested truly in this tournament as Kansas's guards didn't come to play and they've been a little weak in that department all year long so for that reason give me Gonzaga Ty I think you're going to agree no not wow at all whoa nope. no way give me USC I think Evan Mobley is going to be way too much for Drew Timmy I think he's going to get him in foul trouble because Evan Mobley's way more athletic I'm into freshmen I love freshmen I don't like the whole veteran well, you, leadership you are a BS. college freshman so. yeah exactly I, I love college basketball freshmen hey, I think Evan Mobley's going to go see, off see at least you're into people your own age yeah fair fair <laughs> enough uh 
you know, yeah. I wanted to be bold with this, obviously, in the triple threat, Sweet Six or Final Four, that's not going to advance, but I'm going to take USC. Just for the sheer fact that Evan Mobley's averaging three blocks a game. Yeah. Underrated stat. Anyway, moving on to the East region, we have Florida State. Oh, no. Yes, we have Florida State taking on Alabama. Four versus two. I'll kick it off with Harris. What's your stats say? Well... I was really pumped to talk about Michigan and Alabama, but well, you guys not. had to destroy that. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Syracuse and Loyola Chicago, but that didn't happen. Personally, Next. I think Florida State's too inconsistent to make the final, to make the Elite Eight even, but I'm, I'm going to say this about Florida State. Okay. Are we getting the team that shot 25% against Notre Dame from right. three? Or are we getting the team that shot 53% against Georgia Tech? Or didn't hit a three against UNCG. Exactly. They're mm-hmm. a great three-point shooting team usually. I think they're around 37 38%. Yeah, but they're streaky, like you said. They're very they're streaky. Very... Extremely streaky. And against a really good defensive three-point shooting team that allows a 29% three-point percentage against... Can they really sustain that against the athleticism of Alabama, against the size of Alabama? Well, granted, Florida State's got more size, but... They don't have the athleticism to run and gun with Bama. Oh, I'm taking the Crimson Tide in this case. I think it's a blowout. I think they beat Michigan, too. Based on my stat, my stat had Michigan beating Alabama with Isaiah Levers going to the Final Four. I then adjusted it, took Levers out, adjusted their field goal percentage and all those, etc. And it had Alabama beating Michigan. So regardless, I think Alabama is going to the Final Four. I agree with you on a lot of those things. But Florida State's offense, 14th in the country. Yep. Bama's is 28th. And Florida State's defense has risen from the 40s to 29th in defensive efficiency this tournament. They're locking it in. And for the first time, because remember, this was our Elite Eight in the Triple Threat. Yeah, it was my Elite Eight, too. And I took Alabama. Florida State is playing out of their minds right now. I think Leonard Hamilton is a more proven coach at this point. I think Nate Oates is incredible, but I think he's a more proven coach. And Scotty Barnes is looking just as good as Herb Jones in a lot of ways. And I like Balsa Koprovica inside more than Jordan Bruner. Florida State wins by like one point. This game is going to be insanely close, but right now their ceiling just looks a tad higher than Bama's because I think their offense is a little bit more consistent due to their guards. Okay, well there you have it. I guess we're taking, we're taking Florida State. Harris, it's one you, to one. Do you, do you we gotta go the tiebreaker. Oh move my on gosh! Because you doing? did this last time with Keith, yeah, and now we're doing it with me again. Oh okay. My oh my gosh! What's wrong with me? <laughs> Un- unbelievable. Okay, unbelievable. tie. Take it away. The tiebreaker. The tiebreaker. The tiebreaker. Tie for the tiebreaker. All right. So no punny. <laughs> can you let him talk, please? Yes. Yes, I'll let him talk. Here's what I just found out literally ten seconds ago. Um, Javon clearly shoots forty-five percent from three. Did you guys both know that? No. I didn't know. I knew it was 40, like in the forties. Five I didn't know if it was percent. I thought he shot like thirty-five yeah. percent, maybe. And that would be good. No, right. This dude shoots forty-five percent from three. That's higher three. than Max Asmus. That's, That's the highest on Alabama's roster. <laughs> uh, Higher than C.J. McCollum 2.0. That's impressive. <laughs> yep. My, my X factors in this game is Jaden Shackelford and Javon Quinterly. If those two can produce against Florida yep. State, I think they come out on top. And if, if, J- if Javon Quinterly can shoot 45% from three, they'll, I think they'll come out on top too. These are my two favorite teams in the whole tournament. Uh, I really love Florida State's depth and their athleticism, and I really love Alabama's defense and three-point shooting. It's going to be tough for me, man. It really is. But the tiebreaker's going to roll with the SEC, and I'm taking Alabama. Wow. There we go. Roll Great tied. minds. Oh, 
Oh, I'm not gonna. Oh. Roll Tide. <laughs> oh. I'm a Georgia football fan and a Kentucky basketball fan. Don't ask. Roll Tide. Oh man, that was disgusting. Band I was with you until you said that. Yes, fact. But, but as you know, oh, I'm a true. I'm a true oh, fan double, for both jinx, teams. Jinx for both. Of you double butt. Here's what I, I just want to. <laughs> no bubble butt. Double butt. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are five years old. Harris. Harris can vouch for this. I am a true Georgia football fan and a true Georgia. Or excuse me, a true Kentucky basketball fan. Yes. Real Georgia basketball. Real, real Georgia Kentucky. <laughs> yes, fan, he is yes. he is the jack of all trades. Yes. When you think you can't root for a good team, no. Ty's gonna go root for Kentucky basketball. Root for Georgia. No matter football. if they're nine and fifteen. He's an Eagles fan, but before you know it, he's gonna be a Chiefs fan. No, no. All right, it's moving on Wednesday. now. Back to college basketball. The Midwest region, our Elite Eight, has Loyola of Chicago facing off against the Houston Cougars. I think this is gonna be kind of a split panel here, so we'll get right into it. I, I got a question for you guys. Did y'all know that Sister Jean was the chaplain of Loyola's yeah, team? Yeah, I did know did that. Did you know that? No. That's why she was I don't really prominent care, in 2018. No. I didn't fully either. She was the chaplain. I, I mean, I she's a she nun. Was, I just thought she was a big fan. No, she's a nun. My mom school, would absolutely yeah, love chaplain. her then if she was a nun. My mom went to a Catholic school, so shout so out to SX. Oh, really? Yeah. St. Joe's Prep? You believe that? Pride of the Northeast? Us. You believe that, Harris? Look at I'm this a... bonding time. We could have done this at the beach, you know. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> shout out Frontier Airlines. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so Loyola Chicago going up against Houston. I'm going to say Loyola wins this game. My stat actually has Houston. I'm going to disagree with it. Wow. Harris disagreeing with stats. First time ever. Houston outside of Quentin Grimes. If it went for Quentin Grimes getting like three lucky shots against Memphis twice and then against Rutgers. They wouldn't be here right now. They may not even be a top two seed coming into the tournament. I think so. I'm sorry. As Keith made a little smirk. I, I think I'm okay. Sleeping on the Cougs, man. No, I, I'm taking Loyola Chicago. I don't think they can stop Cam Crutwig down low. Lucas Williamson. I think they're too good. They don't rely on the three, and they can shoot the three extremely well, like Alabama. They give up the least amount of points per game in the entire country, guys. The Ramblers will ramble on to the Final Four. See what I did there. Oh, great Led Zeppelin <laughs> shout-out. Fantastic song. Harris, I don't even know if that was the nope, reference. No, that was not the intention. You said ramble all. on and weren't even referencing the Led Zeppelin song? I don't know what Led Zeppelin song is. Oh, <clears throat> What's the Led Zeppelin song? Harris, you don't know who Led Zeppelin is? Nope, I don't know who Led Zeppelin One is. of the greatest rock bands ever. Harris. <laughs> who is Led Zeppelin? You Harris. really live under a rock. <laughs> Oh my god. I guess I live under you a really don't know who Led Zeppelin is. Who is Led Zeppelin? I don't know who Led Zeppelin is. Oh my god. Ty, please, please save us here. <laughs> well, I, I'll save us from the fact that Harris doesn't know who Led Zeppelin is. Oh I, I don't know if I'm going to save you, though, because I'm taking Loyola Chicago, too. <laughs> They're number one in defensive efficiency oh, on Kempom. Join the Roll train. with the Ramblers and Sister Jean and never bet against Sister Jean and any Catholic school. Shout out, Addison. Give me the ramp. Guys. Dramatic there. I have Houston in my Final Four in my bracket. You know? That's a shame. I've been rocking with this team all the way through. I, I did. Last round, um, when they beat Rutgers, I was in the gym, hitting my dips, you know, tricep dips, still watching the game, and it was fantastic. Tremont Marks. And one put back was absolutely incredible. But I'm going with the Ramblers. Ramble on, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> one of, that's one of my favorite songs ever. Um, who is Led Zeppelin? Harris, Guys, stop. Who is Harris, they're one look of the greatest up. rock bands. Look Harris, him up. Harris, tonight we're going back to my room with my subwoofer and Led Zeppelin. Actually, it makes us sleep. But tomorrow, 
and we're playing some Led Zeppelin, and you're gonna like it. Led Zeppelin. Well, I don't like Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. He's still iconic. We're he, in English. It's a band. I'm, I'm reading. Say. I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Led English Zeppelin. Band. Everyone knows who they are. They're an English band. Everyone knows who they are. Not everyone, apparently. Yeah, you're a live under a rock. You don't count. <laughs> we're an English rock band for anyway, London. Anyway, the in South region. We got Baylor <laughs> taking on Arkansas. I'll kick it off with the actual Led Zeppelin fan, Keith. You rolling with the SEC, or is the Big 12 making the Final Four? I've been rocking with Baylor this whole year. Their guards, while Arkansas has great guards, mm-hmm. I think Jared Butler is better than Moses Moody. Yeah. I think Davion Mitchell is better than Jalen Tate. I think Macy Oteague is better than J.D. Note just because he's more consistent. He can Fair. also run the point. He's not just a shooter. Fair. And then Adam Flagler is better than Desi Sills. And then on the interior, Arkansas may have the advantage a little bit with Justin Smith, but... I think Scott Drew is a more experienced coach than Eric Musselman. And while I am buying into Musselman at this point, Scott Drew is that guy as a coach. And he's bound for this opportunity. Baylor gets the Final Four. Yeah, I've been on the hype train all year, as you guys know, of Arkansas is going to make the Final Four. Oh, we know. We know. Yes, we do. And it's looking very possible. It's looking very possible after going up against Oral in the Sweet 16. But... Unfortunately, I think it's going to end here against Baylor. Yes. Ugh, we man. turned him, Todd. Yeah, <laughs> we turned him. I really hate to say it. I think Baylor is going to make the Final Four. I've been impressed by them in the tournament so far. Handling Wisconsin and Arkansas looked a little shady against Texas Tech and even Colgate for a little bit. I think the lack of, a, of tournament experience sort of is kind of gotten to him. And Justin Smith, albeit, is great in the interior. If he has a great game, maybe like a... 17 and 10 type of game. I think Arkansas can win this game. It's going to be a lot closer than people think. But I'm taking Baylor. Yeah, I just think Arkansas is a discount Baylor. Like yeah, I mean up. that's Arkansas minus plays, a three-point shooting. Right. Arkansas plays a very similar game. Their their positions are very similar heights. They play at a very similar pace. I'm just going to take Baylor. They're a much better team and I also think as Sarah said, tournament experience helps. All right guys, so that is going to end it for our Blaze Radio portion of this episode. I know you didn't hear the Final Four, but if you head over to Triple Threat on Spotify, it is under Blaze Radio's name. You can listen to the whole episode over there. You can get the Final Four. So head over to Spotify, and we will see you next week here on Blaze Radio. Same time, same place, and cue that music.